I swear to God. I wonder how many times you heard that phrase this week. Maybe you're standing in line at the grocery store. Maybe it slipped out of someone at work. Maybe it slipped out of you. You know, there used to be a time when even if your mama wasn't religious, she'd still wash your mouth out with soap for saying the phrase, I swear to God. But is it a phrase that we shouldn't say? And if not, then why not? James chapter five is where we're at this morning as we continue walking through this short but very powerful and often very offensive book. Verse 12. Now, above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Your yes must be your yes and your no must be no so that you won't fall under judgment. He says, above all, my brothers. Now, does James really mean above all? Because as we've been making our way through this book, he said some pretty powerful and eternal life-giving, sometimes confrontational words. Is it really above all? Of all the things that he said, is he really prioritizing, do not swear and do not take an oath above even what we looked at last week, patience in seasons of suffering and affliction. Is he saying, no, this commandment, this line is above all. You know, Bible commentators really go back and forth to try to figure out, is that what he's saying? And the summary from the experts tends to be that James is using this as a literary advice. It's a signal that his letter is almost over, but it is important. Now, above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. I was one time called to be a witness in a a trial and I had to appear before the judge and there were a few other witnesses there and they made us lift up our right hand and, and the judge said, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? And we said, I do. Is that saying that we, we, I shouldn't have done that, that I was wrong to do it? You know, there was a time when that same thing would have happened, but they would have actually held a Bible in front of you and made you place your hand on the Bible And say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And that is the kind of thing that James is talking about. He's saying it's ridiculous to think that somehow putting your hand on the Bible would compel you to tell the truth. But without your hand on the Bible, you're free to do whatever you want. You remember when you were kids, especially you ladies, and you would do the pinky promise? It's still around. It's still alive and well on planet Earth. A few weeks ago, Annabeth came to me. She's seven and said, you know, Daddy, I want you to do something. And she was asking me for something specific. And I said that I would. And she said, pinky promise. And I pinky promised her, you know, your version of that may uh, be to uh, to have said, you know, cross my heart, hope to die or I swear on my mother's grave. That's kind of morbid to think about. But we've all said that. And it's the same idea that somehow we can add to our yes and add to our no in a way that would really give it strength that would bolster it. But James is saying, no, we should simply be a people with a strong yes And a strong no, we shouldn't need anything else. Do not swear either by heaven or by earth 
or with any other oath. The Jewish people of the first century, that's the time of James and before that, the time of Jesus, because James was the brother of Jesus. They had developed a system for strengthening their word with binding and non-binding promises. A binding promise was when you invoke the name of God. When you brought God's name into it, if you said, I swear before God, or I swear to God, that was a binding promise because they were so committed to the commandments. And one of the commandments you remember is what? Do not misuse the Lord's name or do not take the Lord's name in vain. So for them, the idea that they would bring the name, the name of the Lord into a promise and not fulfill that promise, not only was it breaking their word, but it was also misusing God's name and violating that sacred commandment. And they would say to us on, uh, in our day, how, how would you ever say the phrase, I swear to God, whether you were doing it intentionally or, or just using it as, as, a, as a curse word because it's misusing God's name. But for them, it was a binding promise. If I've invoked the name of the Lord, the name of Yahweh, the one true God, I will keep that promise. But they also had a a different kind of commitment because they did what we do when we find ourselves stuck between what God has said and what we want to say. We find a loophole and a loophole for them was, okay, if I have to keep my promise when I bring God's name in it, 100% or else I risk the wrath of God as a commandment violator, then I will swear by something else. I'll swear by heaven. Heaven is a big deal. It's important, but it's not invoking God's name. Or I'll swear by the earth or I'll swear by Jerusalem or even I'll swear by the hairs on my head. It would be a difficult thing for me, but maybe not for you because you're blessed and highly favored. They developed this system, uh, a lot of people coming in and out, huh? Um, <laughs> binding promises and non-binding promises. You remember in Matthew, the end of Matthew, Jesus has been arrested and he's, he's, in, he's on trial. And uh, somebody recognizes Peter. He says, hey, you, you were a follower of Jesus. And you remember, he says, no, 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 I, I don't know what you're talking about. I say it again. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're with Jesus. No, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. Third time they question him. And the scripture in Matthew says that he swears that he does not know Jesus. And what he was doing is he was invoking the name of the Lord. He was saying, I swear to God that I don't know this man that you've arrested. And the Bible says that he runs out weeping bitterly. I think because it's a double offense and Peter knows it. He knows that he's just betrayed Jesus. He's just let down Jesus. He's just denied Jesus. He's, he's committed three years of his life to this man. And in this moment of desperation, he rewinds all of that. But he also knows that he has invoked God's name in a way that wasn't true. And now he's underneath the judgment of God, a binding promise and a non-binding promise. And and James steps into the middle of that culture and says, this shouldn't be this way among the people of God. There shouldn't be some promises that we will keep and some promises that we won't keep. Our yes should be strong and our no should be strong. 
James is really just echoing the words of Jesus. Turn to Matthew chapter five. This is what he says in verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because it is God's throne or by earth because it is his footstool or by Jerusalem because it is the city of the great king. Neither should you swear by your head because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your word yes be yes and your word no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. So Jesus says, and James echoing him, there shouldn't be categories. There shouldn't be some yeses that we keep and some yeses that we, we don't keep. And he says, you shouldn't swear on anything else. We shouldn't swear by heaven. Okay, right. You don't want to swear to God, but you're willing to swear to heaven. He says, no, heaven's connected to God. Heaven is the throne room of God. Okay, you don't want to swear straight to God and invoke his name, but you'll, you'll swear to by the earth. He said, no, the earth is the footstool of the Lord. He literally can prop his feet up on the earth, the Psalms say. You want to swear not to God, but you want to swear by Jerusalem. No, Jerusalem is the holy city. It's the city of God. You want to swear by the hairs of your head instead of swearing to God. He said, no, you, you don't even have any power to turn your hair white or turn it black. Essentially what Jesus is saying is all of our words are connected to God. All of our commitments, all of our yeses, all of our no's, all of our promises are made in the presence of God, whether we invoked his name in it or not. And that's why our yes should be yes and our no should be no. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus, you remember what he says? He says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. That means every careless yes that you and I gave and then broke. We'll have to give an account for that. Simply let your yes be strong and your no be strong. Then back in James chapter five, it says, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Your yes must be your yes and your no must be your no so you won't fall under judgment. Your simple yes and no should be enough it shouldn't need any extra strength. So the question for us today in such a simple message is, is, is your word weak? Do you have a weak yes and a weak no? It may be weaker than, than you and I think. Even this weekend on Friday night, I was cleaning up something in our house and I didn't really want to clean it up anymore. And so I said to my 10 year old Jackson, Jackson, I will give you $10. That's how much I didn't want to clean up the mess that I had made. I will give you $10 if you clean up this mess. And so he was looking for a little bit of cash uh, for walking around money. And so he agreed. And so he started to pick it up. Well, he's 10 and he's a wonderful boy, but he didn't want to do that job any more than I uh, wanted to do it. He was just in it for the money, literally. And so he would pause halfway through and I'd have to remind him. And then he'd start kind of complaining and I have to remind him about the $10. Eventually, he got it picked up. So yesterday, Saturday, he comes to collect on his debts. And he said, I, I, I'd like my money, please, in cash. And so I, uh, 
I had plenty of money out on the counter, but I said, you can have $5. You only get $5, though, because you complained, and, and you, you know, I had to remind you a bunch of times, and you know, I don't think you deserve 10 uh, You deserve 5 And so he didn't fight. He gladly took his 5 and walked up the stairs. And as he was walking up the stairs, my mind starts drifting back to this passage. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now, as a parent, I feel maybe justified Because he didn't do it exactly the way that I would have wanted him to. But that wasn't our deal. The deal wasn't if you do it this way, this way, this way, this way, then you get the $10. The deal was if you do it, you get $10. So after a minute, I said, Jackson, come back, come back down. I said, I told you you could have $10 if you did it. You did it. And then I only gave you five. That was wrong. So here's your 10. Now you owe me for room and board. <laughs> you know, our word may be weaker than we think. So how can we strengthen our yes? How can we strengthen our no? Three things as we end this morning I would love for you to write down. Number one, strengthen our yes and strengthen our no. Speak less. Speak less. James has already told us that. Chapter one, verse 19. He says, my dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak. You and I would break less commitments if we made less commitments and we would make less commitments if we spoke less. How many times have yeses and nos come out of our mouth just because they came out? We didn't have a plan to say yes. We didn't have a plan to say no, but we sat there and talked long enough that we left the conversation with a commitment, a commitment we didn't even really want to make. An uncontrolled mouth leads to an uncontrolled calendar. Speak less. Number two, learn to say no. Learn to say no. Now, I'm going to give us all the benefit of the doubt this morning. I'm going to give us the benefit of the doubt that we are not people who intend to break our promises. I'm going to... Just just say that we are not the kind of people who would say to somebody looking them in the eye, I will do this, I will do that, I won't do this, I won't do that, with the intention as it's coming out of our mouth to back out of that, to wiggle out of that, to cancel on that later, to not come through. I'm gonna give us the benefit of the doubt and say, no, we really, really do want to, but then we get in a situation where we just have to break our word. And it's because we don't know how to say no. We are like a tube of toothpaste in which we jam as much stuff as possible into it. You've got 
all of your work commitments. And work takes up a tremendous amount of your time. And then not only is it time, but it's mental energy and emotional energy. And you jam all that in. And then you've got your family, which is above work, but there's no family hours like there is work hours. And so with even your highest commitment, you want to be there for your kids. You want to be there for your spouse. And you want to be there for your mom and be there for your dad and, and all of that. And then you've got all your friends and, and you've got to hang out with them. Because if you're not hanging out with them, then they kind of go passive aggressive on you and be like, you know, I really miss you, you know, and that's your, that's code for you've disappointed me in some way and I need to hang out with you more. Right? And we don't want that. We don't like that. We're nice people. And so we jam all of our friend stuff into that same tube. Then you got your kids stuff and, and they got all their stuff. You've got baseball and basketball and school and all of that. We got this overflowing life, which we are able to handle because you are able until something out of your control happens. Then you get squeezed. And because you and I live with no margin, something has to come out. You get stuck between too many yeses because too many yeses eventually gives way to too many no's. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we don't even want to have said yes to that thing. We wanted to say no. I remember a few years ago, I got invited to speak at a Christian high school for their chapel. And I didn't know the people. It was a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. And they had a great reputation. Wonderful people, by the way. They said, would you come and speak to our high school students? And I said, absolutely. And then I found out the address of this place. And it was not like across town. It was across like four towns. Literally, I could step out of their school and into the Gulf of Mexico. That's how far away it felt. And, uh, and chapel started at eight o'clock in the morning because that's when all the good stuff of God happens is right like when the sun comes up. So it was eight o'clock and I have to literally drive across, like from one corner of Houston to the other corner of Houston. So I have to leave my house at six. So it's a two hour drive for a 17 minute talk. And it was 17 minutes because they told me I only had 15 minutes, but I'm charging them gas money with the extra two minutes of the talk that I'm gonna go. And so I'm driving all the way there. And the whole time I'm thinking, man, these kids are wonderful. I'm sure I've never met them. Faculty and staff, wonderful. I've never met them. I'm so mad at me for saying yes. They could have found somebody from their zip code to do the same talk that I am doing. I pull it to the parking lot. I'm just frustrated with myself that I did that. And I should have said no, but I didn't want to say no. And I didn't feel like I could say no because I didn't have a good excuse to say no. I mean, I'm a minister for crying out loud. If someone gives you a ministry opportunity and you are not already committed to a ministry opportunity, it seems like Jesus would be mad at you for saying no to that. And, and so I said yes. And, and more than that, I, I didn't want to disappoint the people because like all of us, I have an insatiable appetite for approval. It is a never-ending bottomless pit in all of us. And we know if we say no, that that look of disapproval will be what we get back. That email where the invitation was flowery and encouraging, the response will be, okay, sad emoji. (laughs) 
So because I didn't have a good excuse and I didn't want to disappoint people, I drove two hours across town to give a 15-minute message to which I'm sure not one of those students would listen to. I went in. I guess I did a good job because they invited me back. And I said yes again. And I was mad at myself on the way there the second time. We want to say no, but for fear of man, we say too many yeses. And in order to have a strong yes, you have to have a strong sense that God has already approved of you, that you already loved enough, that you are already favored enough, that you are already kept enough and secure enough. So if they take their approval and go home because you were trying to be a person of your word, your bank account is already full of favor. And the reality is you'll feel better when you say no more often. We have a saying in our home that we have rarely regretted a no, but we have often regretted a yes. Very few times in my life have I said no and lived to regret it. But I would say maybe even weekly, I regret one too many yeses. And so to have a strong yes and have a strong no, we're gonna have to learn to say no. And finally, you have to follow through on your yes. You follow through on your yes. And listen, it's gonna take resolve to follow through. It's gonna take humility to follow through. In general, we are an overcommitted and underresolved people. Now listen, sometimes you're gonna make an honest mistake. Sometimes you're gonna break your yes and it's gonna be honest. I remember years ago, I got invited to another early morning school thing, this time a FCA club at a middle school. I don't know why I only say yes to ministry opportunities that happen before Jesus gets up, but I do. And so I committed to go. I was excited to go. I was prepared. I was ready to go. But this was back in the day before we had the iPhone, which means you can set a million different alarms. This was back in the Nokia days when you could just set one alarm and we just had the snake game. Some of you are too young to remember the snake game, but we used to be content with just black and white games on our phone while we're waiting for people. Um, you know. And so I had the snake phone. And back then, when you had just the the Nokia phone, you didn't need your phone right next to you within arm's reach at all times. We could put a little distance between us and the phone, like 20 feet. You know, now we can't get outside of 15 feet uh, ratio, but back then we could just leave it wherever because we couldn't wake up in the morning. And as soon as our eyes popped open, I was on Instagram or I was on Facebook or I was checking my email. It was just the bar phone. You remember the good old days. So I went to bed that night, excited about the next morning, going to speak to these middle school kids, but I left my phone wherever I left it. The alarm was set, but it wasn't right next to me. So I wake up that next morning and you know, instantly the sun is too high. You know that feeling? Too high. And that pit in my stomach because I was late. And FCA was happening at that moment. It was an honest mistake. And, and we're going to make honest mistakes. You're going to accidentally say yes to 
this thing on Monday and you had already said yes to a, another thing on Monday, it's gonna happen. And we're good people. And because we have good people, or because we're good people, we have good people around us. And you know what they're gonna do? They're gonna let us off the hook. They're gonna be gracious and kind and warm and say it's not a big deal. They're gonna let us off the hook. But listen, just because someone lets us off the hook doesn't mean we were never on the hook. I'm afraid that many of us have such kind people around us that our broken yeses seems like they have no consequences. But they do have consequences. Because when you jump off the hook, you know what has to happen? Somebody else has to get on the hook. Somebody else has to step in for you. Somebody else has to fill in for you. Somebody else has to come. A broken yes may be consequence-free for you, but it is not consequence-free. So just because you and I can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. We have to be resolved to follow through with our yes, just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. You remember what he says at the end of Matthew, Matthew, Matthew chapter 26. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. They've been praying. You remember he takes his disciples with him and then he takes three of his disciples a little bit further and then he goes to the furthest place in the garden. He's praying, he's praying, he's praying. He knows that his betrayer is coming. He knows that a mob is coming for him. And so he goes out to meet the mob, the Bible says. And when the mob is there, Peter pulls out a sword and he starts flinging. He's not gonna let Jesus be arrested, at least not without a fight. And so Peter slices off the ear of a guy and Jesus says, stop, listen, don't you know that if I wanted to, I could have 12 legion of angels come and rescue me. Meaning I could have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of angels to come. And in a moment, I could be free. Listen, he had a good excuse. He had a good excuse. The cross is a good excuse to back out of a commitment. He had the means, he had the ability to back out. 12 legions of angels. But he had a strong yes. Had a strong yes that let himself be arrested. A strong yes that let himself be tried by a human judge. A strong yes that lifted the weight of his own cross as he carried it outside the city of Jerusalem. A strong yes to lay there and let mortal men who he breathed life into put nails in his arms and in his feet. And a strong yes to hang in the noonday sun until it was finished. See, we are descendants. We are beneficiaries of someone who kept their word even when it was costly. Got to follow through on your yes. Because if we're going to be people of the word, we need to be people of our word. Let's pray.
God, we want to let your truth for us today sink all the way in. All the way in. All the way into good soil. We pray it would bear fruit with the people with a strong yes and a strong no. In Jesus' name we pray.